Hey everyone, as TAC works to educate, equip, empower, and mobilize members of the truck, bus, and energy industries to combat human trafficking as part of their everyday jobs, we wanted to create this podcast that could serve as a helpful training tool to one of the largest mobile armies of the eyes and ears out there on the roads as you seek to recognize and report this heinous crime. Fact. The majority of sex buyers are men, so they are fueling this issue. You might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't purchase commercial sex, so I cannot be contributing to the problem of exploitation. However, there are a multitude of ways that lead to the exploitation of others, such as going to a strip club or purchasing a subscription to a pornography website or paying for access to an OnlyFans website or buying coins that have virtual sexual encounters with others online. It may seem harmless, but as we will learn, these actions have created one of the worst and largest crimes in the world. Did you know that human trafficking is a $150 billion criminal activity? With no buyer, there would be no victim. And so part of TAT's work to combat human trafficking is to address the root cause of the demand for commercial sex. Because if we can educate men on the dangers of purchasing sex and how it leads to modern day slavery, then just maybe we can put a stop to this crime. Hello everyone, my name is Ashley Smith and I'm the Empower Freedom Director for Truckers Against Trafficking, or TAT, and you're listening to our podcast called Driving Freedom. My co-host today is Louis Greek, a TAT Coalition Build Specialist. Louis is our only male on staff at this point in time, so he is here to bring his perspective as a male, especially as one that has worked in a lot of male-dominated industries. Thanks, Ashley, for having me as a guest today. It uh, really means a lot to come from a perspective of a guy's standpoint in the fight against human trafficking. Now, Louie, before we get into things, I'm curious, what are some of your favorite movies? Good question, Ashley. Well, I'm a 70s and 80s baby, so all those action-packed movies from the 80s, movies like Rambo, Over the Top, James Bond, or Die Hard, I really like them a lot. And I think they really influenced me to go into the work of law enforcement or the military watching those movies. What I found interesting later on in my career, especially when I got into human trafficking and started to learn about some of those underlying factors that bring into exploitation, I realized that some of the influences in these movies weren't the best type of kind of that authentic masculinity. What do I mean by authentic masculinity? Well, I think there's there's kind of two different types of masculinity, kind of that toxic masculinity and that authentic one. And in those movies, you know, oftentimes we see this real strong character, doesn't really show a lot of pain. He goes through a lot of difficult trials. But throughout that, I think we also see the way they treat women or some of the comments that they make about women or others or maybe the LGBTQ community. In those movies. And again, I understand that's, you know, a while ago was a different time, but we've learned a lot from them. And so I really want to say, especially about those movies that I watched that had such a a huge impact and impression on me, is that I didn't recognize some of those toxic aspects of that culture, of that time. 
and really the image that they were trying to portray on men, and especially young men. And, and so now as I've gotten older, I've realized great movies, but again, there's some things in those movies that don't always portray or teach men how to act really authentic um, in their daily lives. That's really interesting. So where are guys actually taught how to act like a man? And what does that even mean? Yeah. You know, I think growing up, you know, some of us may have had really good father figures, parental figures that taught us particular things on how to respect others, how to respect women, how to treat women, maybe encourage us not to go places like strip clubs or look at pornography. Maybe some of us didn't have that opportunity or didn't weren't um, mentored or influenced in that way. You know, for example, I spent years in the military and in law enforcement. And in some of those environments, it's very heavily male. Some of those environments, there's a lot of toxic masculinity in there. For example, you know, I, I think it's a pretty common tradition that when you graduate boot camp, or you port at uh, some place around the world, a lot of these other influences, other men, may encourage you to go to places like a strip club, you know, go out to the bars and blow off some steam. But the reality is, is they don't understand how toxic that is, how those, those actions lead down to a road of exploitation of those individuals that they're going to view or they interact with, of those women, boys, girls, men that are actually being exploited in those places like a strip club or on a pornography website or in an actual brothel somewhere, whether it be domestically or internationally. I've grown up with this impression that you have to be tough, that you can't show emotion, that you have to take the lead all the time and, and kind of be the control of a situation or a relationship. And I don't think that's always necessarily correct, especially in regards to how we treat uh, women, boys, girls, you know, in, in the jokes that we say every day. In looking, as I mentioned, at pornography on, on a website, these types of actions lead down to an unhealthy road of exploitation. You, know, you may start by looking possibly at pornography and lead down to purchasing a subscription or interacting with a person virtually. That may actually lead down to purchasing commercial sex. And as you've learned, and as we've learned in our previous podcasts and from the information at Truckers Against Trafficking, many of those victims of human trafficking are not there by their own choice. They're often in vulnerable situations and being exploited by others. Can you tell us a bit about addressing the topic of demand for purchasing commercial sex? And then you touched on it a little bit, but how does it relate to human trafficking? Yeah, great question. So. As I mentioned earlier, this is a huge problem, not only here in the United States, but all over the world. And money is a big factor. Money's driving this. These traffickers are opportunists. They're looking for opportunities to exploit individuals based on their vulnerabilities so they can profit off them. And in regards to who's paying that money, again, I mentioned it, predominantly it is men, but that's fueling this crime. All that money that's going to those traffickers' hands to this criminal activity is actually fueling this crime. And so part of addressing human trafficking is having some of those cultural conversations with our community members, with our friends, with our peers, with other men. Men, um, with young men in our lives about the dangers and how this can lead down to that road of exploitation. And I mentioned earlier, you know, if we think, well, looking at pornography could be harmless, as we're learning and as, as law enforcement is learning, as nonprofits are learning, as survivors are telling their stories, we're realizing that many of those during their exploitation or forced prostitution did include the filming of pornography. It may include going onto a website like OnlyFans, where 
many men or purchasers or buyers may think this is harmless, but it's feeling that crime. They don't necessarily know what's on the other end. They don't know the interaction with that individual. And the problem with strip clubs and purchasing commercial sex and uh, going to some of these websites is it disconnects the individual, the buyer, from the actual exploited victim because they don't realize the backdrop of what is going on. And so it's good to have these conversations among peers and community members and have podcasts like this because we want to talk about really what's going on. That fake facade that we've learned and, and men have probably learned growing up that, oh, it's no problem going to a strip club because, you know, you're, you're giving them money. Maybe they're helping them go through college. Or if someone ports in some place, whether it be domestically or overseas, and they go to a brothel, they may not realize how they're really adding to the situation. They're so disconnected from that actual relationship, those healthy parts of a relationship, because there's no healthy parts in purchasing commercial sex. They don't realize where that victim came from. They don't realize the backstory, the vulnerabilities of how this person was probably manipulated into being into that situation. So, Louie, I know that you've talked a bit about your experiences in law enforcement and the military and kind of those overlaps with purchasing of commercial sex. What are some of the other industries that are connected to kind of this toxic masculinity where we may see the purchase of commercial sex more often? Yeah, actually, I think we see uh, the purchasing commercial sex in many industries, not just the law enforcement or military, as mentioned, but we also see it in the transportation and trucking industry. We see it in the sports industry, so things like the the Super Bowl. And to give you an example of where we might see it in the trucking industry and here at TAT, we have multiple examples where individuals are being exploited at places like truck stops or rest stops or motels. You know, we work with the energy industry. And in some of these locations or these parts of our country, you know, we have a large group group of males that are working hard out in the field, but sometimes they get that downtime, that expendable money. And what traffickers do, because they're manipulative, because they exploit people, and what some of these traffickers do is they'll take individuals and exploit them in these areas where there is oil and gas exploration or energy exploration. And because they're looking for a large group of men, predominantly, that have expendable cash to spend. They're looking to exploit that. And so that's why conversations we're having today, the resources that I'll mention are so important. Because when you're in that environment, it could be really difficult to maybe say no. And why do I say that? Well, it goes back down to that, that influence. What is it to be a man? That pure pressure. I can tell you from my personal experiences that I've been there multiple times. You know, whether I'm working with a group of guys and, you know, I mentioned in the military or law enforcement, but for one example, you know, when I was in the military, I was just getting out of my training. I was an 88 Mike. For those that are listening out there, we all know that's a truck driver. And so when we have time on the weekends or, or downtime, you know, I would sit there and like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to go for a hike? Um, are we going to go play some basketball? Then a lot of times there's guys in the group that are like, well, hey, let's go out to the strip clubs. You know, let's, let's go get some girls. And when you're sitting in a group of men, and, and especially when you're brand new or you just got to a job site or you're just starting out this position, or this is a group of, of workers that you've just gotten to know, or your peers, or your fr friends, you're sitting there feeling that pure pressure. You don't want to be stuck alone back at you know the barracks, or the construction site, or wherever it may be. You want to be able to socialize with these guys. So you feel that peer pressure to, okay, maybe I'll tag along. But what you don't realize is that just tagging along and going to that strip club, and then maybe you're there, and 
you want to fit in. And so, okay, well, you know, I'll go with you guys or I'll give money for a dance. Or it may not even be going out to the strip club. Maybe you're just hanging out where they're housing everyone. And you're having conversations because it's just a bunch of guys having conversations. And you're making those jokes or you're having those those talks about um, a particular girl or an actress or whoever it may be. Or, you know, the conversation goes around about going to a particular website in regards to looking at pornography or even social media. So I feel like I've been in those, those circumstances. And I think there's a lot of men out there that also can say they've been in those circumstances. And this is where I would encourage you to go against that peer pressure, to be that authentic man or that authentic masculinity and stand up and say, hey, you know what, guys? Let me explain about human trafficking. Let me explain about human exploitation. Let me explain about what is really happening at those locations and how it's causing harm and danger to others. Let's go find another option of something to do. You know, let's, let's go play a game of basketball. Let's go on a hike because there are healthy things that we can choose to do that aren't causing harm to others. So there were two things that you mentioned that that really kind of resonated with me, Louie. Um, first off, you talk about how traffickers, they're, they're going to take their potential victims where they think that they can make money. And I know that especially with oil and gas, um, the energy space, when those large projects are happening, they're highly publicized. People are listing jobs. There's news stories. Like People know where that's going to happen. And those big projects are have a lot of men working in it. So it's really unfortunately easy for a trafficker to say, oh, well, I know that there's going to be hundreds or thousands of people in this area that may not have law enforcement that can watch out for this crime, that they may not have the infrastructure to keep an eye out for kind of this um, potential exploitation. So it's really important for men to just have that understanding that they are being, that it's no lie that they're there and that they're making money and that they're away from home. So it's there's these really strong overlaps in that space. And the second thing um, is kind of that sense of community that you alluded to. For those in the audience that don't know, I actually move around quite often uh, because I'm married into the energy industry. And so when you're in a new community, whether for the long term or for a short project, there's that longing to be a part of a group, to have that group of friends and to have that community. And it's easy in those spaces for people to say, oh, this is what everybody else is doing. But for me, it's like, how do we build a community that we want to be a part of and a community that's going to positively impact that space that we're in? So um, I think that that's a, a hard thing to think about when you don't want to be the new person on the block. But I think it is important to think about what does that look like and what community do you want to be a part of it? And how is that going to impact the place that you are in that, that specific place? Now, with all of the uncertainties right now and with everything going on, what can we do about human trafficking, especially with those male listeners regarding demand? And what are the most important things that fathers, husbands, uncles, and just about everybody can do to put a stop to this crime? Yeah, human trafficking is probably one of the worst human rights violations of our time. Um, just a, such a horrible crime. But the positive thing about this is that we can take a stand. Everybody can play a part in ending this crime, especially males out there. We can choose to have those authentic 
masculinity characteristics and we can portray those both in our private, personal, and our professional lives. So things that we can do is have conversations. We can educate each other about this crime. You know, I have a friend, his name is Alan Smith. He was on our podcast last year and he wrote a book called Men Fight for Me. And he had three different categories on solutions for this problem. One, look at it from a micro level. Guys, take a look in the mirror. As individuals and as men, what can we do? Can we change our behavior? Can we have conversations with our friends, our peers, our sons, our fathers, and our brothers about human trafficking, about the dangers of purchasing commercial sex, and how it leads down to that road of exploitation? And again, this first step might be one of the hardest. When we have to look in the mirror, none of us is perfect. I think there's a lot of shame that goes into looking at pornography. Maybe there's some guilt there. Maybe there's some guilt in purchasing commercial sex. What I do want to say is that that feeling of guilt, that feeling of shame, that is normal. But those behaviors are not normal. They are unhealthy. And so we really have to look in the mirror as individuals and have that change in behavior and realize that we could be actually a solution to this problem. And then from there, actually take action. Have those conversations. Educate ourselves a little more about this problem. Then there's the macro level. This is where we can also get involved as a community, as groups, as coalitions, as task forces, as faith-based communities, where we can change legislation, where we can educate more individuals and community members about the issue of human trafficking, as well as working on that prosecution. You know, we want to make sure that those that are arrested and charged with purchasing commercial sex, exploiting one another, they actually should get a harsher punishment than just a slap on the wrist. Because when we address that, this will really begin to put a stop to this crime. And then finally, the ultimate solution, be the right kind of man. You know, guys, gals, but mostly guys that are listening out there, we've been influenced. We know the influences when we've been influenced positively. We know also when we've been influenced in a negative way. Let's have that behavior change. Let's start looking forward and being the man that protects and looks out for others, not just women, but of all kinds of people. Wow, that's that's so powerful. Now, Louie, you mentioned Alan's book. So what kind of resources beyond that book are out there? And how can folks learn more about this issue? Yeah, there's plenty of resources out there. And I want other guys out there to know they're not alone. There's other men that want to have this conversation. There's other men willing to have this conversation. And there's other resources out there to begin that conversation. The first one I want to point everybody to is Truckers Against Trafficking's man-to-man campaign. You can check out our website at truckersagainsttrafficking.org and click on the Addressing Demand tab. There you'll find our man-to-man program as well as our Addressing Demand video. This video is about 40 minutes long. We can send you copies of the DVD or you can find it on our website. And what's great about this video and its purpose is to be played among a group of men or even have uh, someone watch it individually. But it's a real good conversation starter about this issue addressing demand, the dangers that purchasing commercial sex, looking at pornography and some of those activities we talked about lead down to the exploitation of others. And then it also talks about solutions that we can do that I just went over. In addition, As Ashley mentioned just now, is Alan Smith's uh, recent book, Men Fight For Me. You could easily Google that and the website to uh, be able to purchase that book can come up pretty easy. And then there's some other uh, additional resources out there. There's a TED Talk 
called Demise of Guys. So if you just go to TED Talk and, and type in or search Demise of Guys, great TED Talk. And also there's an organization, another nonprofit organization called Fight the New Drug. I have some great friends in that organization doing great work. And this really addresses those that are struggling out there with pornography. It is an addiction. You know, I've talked to other psychologists out there. There's a part of our, our brains that become addictive to this. And it could be a hard thing to in just like drinking or drugs. But I do want to encourage those that are out there that are struggling with that, that there is hope, that there are resources. And I would really encourage you to check some of these out and go to the website of Fight the New Drug. Additionally, there's some other things like toolbox talks and, and a call to men. So there are resources out there. And again, I'm always available here at Truckers Against Trafficking. If anybody wants to email me, reach out to our organization. I'd love to have the talk. I'd love to encourage you in ways to be authentic males and be solutions to this problem. One of the great things about Truckers Against Trafficking is that we are training industries on how to recognize and report the crime of human trafficking as it happens. But now we are taking it a little bit further. The more often that we have these conversations about demand, how to address it, and what individuals and communities can do to have these conversations, this is where the power lies. This is where we can actually combat the root causes of this crime. So while this this may have been a hard topic for you to listen to. You may have heard this multiple times. It's important to continue having this conversation so that everybody understands realities of demand and its impacts on human trafficking. If you'd like more information about the different resources we've talked about in today's podcast, check the description of the podcast for links to the different website and resources we shared with you. And when you help to address demand, that is how you can play a role in driving freedom. 